Welcome to the Rizan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 65. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we're not going to do any of the normal stuff. Instead, we're going to have a more free-ranging discussion in a lockdown podcast special. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Good. What's Mm. been the best thing about lockdown this past week or so? Uh, Oh, the past week. Let's think. Um, There's a few things. I... We've got in a bit of a pattern where I get up at five o'clock in the morning, some mornings, to start work, Oof. just to kind of, so I can kind of get a load of work done before Rhiannon and Hucker up and so on. We can share, look it after him. And oh, I love those. I get, sometimes mm. they get about four hours before anyone demands my attention. Really good. So I'm enjoying that. Um, okay. Do you know what else I'm doing in, in lockdown? I'm learning to touch type, so that you can type even louder. No, or does so it make your type typing quieter? Hopefully, quietly, quietlier. Yeah. Really? Quiet. It's Quite typingclub.com. And there's this load of stuff you can do. And I'm on. I've done the whole of the middle row, the whole of the top row, and I've done about two letters on the bottom row. It hurts my brain. Do um, they have the equivalent of the 12-song challenge on Typing Club? Like 12 letters? What? Do, no, what? do people like sh- make videos of themselves typing really fast? And I'd then like to be in and... an actual typing club. <laughs> Does any, if anyone's listening this to this would like to join my typing club in fact what you could do is you could go to typingclub.com or org or whatever it is you could start doing the touch typing thing and then you could post up on social media what your scores were on the different things and then I could have a go and I could see if I could beat you yeah I'm glazing over Joel I'm sorry <laughs> what were you saying <laughs> also I'm also one of the four million people in the UK who's got into baking during the lockdown and yes. uh, we managed to get hold of some bread flour at some point from the local pub who was sort of selling off their um, you know, industrial quantities. So we've got kilograms and kilograms of it. Accidentally bought something like two kilograms of fresh yeast. So just had, which I don't know if you know much about baking, but that gets you through a lot of loaves of bread. So I've just been baking mm. like a like a mad thing in a frenzy. But it's good fun. So I've actually awesome. got, I've finished my flour, which means I now have put on four stone. <laughs> how about you what you, you been turned up to, into the pillsbury Doughboy. yeah um yeah we've uh we've been having fun we do these imaginative things like theo wanted to uh do a pub two weekends ago so he invented mm. a pub called the uh the dragon's talon and yep. then it turns out you know the thing that he likes about pubs is the activity sheet and the chicken nuggets so we all got together and made an activity sheet for the dragon's t- talon with you know word searches and coloring and uh, and then we got chicken nuggets from around the corner and we had uh, apple juice for beer nice and sat in the garden it was very nice yeah so Aww. those sort of things we did we did beach this saturday that was our thing we found some sand and got the paddling pool out and had a found some beach sand. day in our garden well in, in the shed in luton yeah some building sand in the shed yeah, yeah fair enough fair enough fair enough hey, that's yeah that's quite fun that's quite fun it oh, has work things has has engage Yes, good. So a couple of things. Um, we are starting a new crowdfunding campaign. Yay! Do- Love crowdfunding. Hooray! Can you wait till the end loves- of May? No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so you're doing really well. You're doing fine. Um, so we've got a couple of new resources we're going to make. We're going to make um, an Advent uh, church pack in the same sort of guise as our Lenten wilderness one. It's going to be called Worship in the Waiting. Brilliant. So we're going to put that together and I'm 
guessing it's going to probably involve some resound songs and everything else you need and a personal devotions book and all of that and then sarah is also going to make um thing about emotions and jesus for families oh. so it's been on her heart for a while uh, this idea of sort of emotional health and um how do we engage that with our faith and prayerfully and you know she's been thinking about it way before lockdown but i think in these days people are these days ever more aware of how we're sort of driving each other mad and you know swinging from one emotion to the other so i think that should be good so we're, we're crowdfunding that on the website at the moment if people want to support that cool. that'd be brilliant and i also rewrote our video course uh user guide to yeah. uh, be a zoom slash lockdown user guide so I got a load of feedback from people who've already done the course or are in the process of doing the course on Zoom yeah. and said, how does this work best? What do you do? And they gave me a load of excellent feedback. So I basically Brilliant. combined that into a new Zoomy Zoom guide. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah, that's really it's good. been right. Yeah, how about Resound Towers? What's going on yeah, with you? Yeah, we've been mainly busy doing doxicology things. It's quite fun. We're writing some string arrangements this week. Ooh. Um, lots of things of recording remotely and so on. Oh, but the exciting thing is we um, we had planned to do doxicology in a retreat, as you know, with like 80, 90 people or something. We were going to gather yeah. and sing the songs and stuff. And then we had to change all of those plans, turn it into a studio album. But we do love that sort of gang vocal thing on Resound. And since we can't all get together, and in, just inspired by watching some of the various videos doing the rounds and so on, we thought, oh, what if we did a, what if we got the 12 song challenges to all sing on our album? Yeah. So, so we're going to send, about half, I don't know, it's like half the tracks out to the 12 song challenge and say, can you record yourself singing this and send it back, please? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And see what we can do. I don't think we will go as far as making one of those frame-in-frame frame videos. Um, it's been a lot of them, really. Yeah. But um, well, that would be really cool. I'd love it. You know, we love our 12 Song Challenge community. And actually, wouldn't it be cool if they yeah. were singing on the album. So that's really That'd good. be really cool. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Real nice. Nice one, mate. Nice one. Can I tell you something about online church? Please do. For people who have children Huck's age... Four, yeah. four going on five, who yeah. while we're doing online church was basically watching telly and you know and, and so on. He's kind of bouncing around the room, wrestling the sofa and smashing the stuff up. You know that's basically what he's yeah. doing. Standard. Oh, we, we it was about um, last week, the week before. It was about Jesus and Peter after Jesus' resurrection, going you know finding him on the beach and then having that very sort of personal conversation with him. And yeah. then a few days later, putting Huck to bed. Um, uh, and something like, I don't know, Rihanna said something like, oh, I love you, Huck. And he didn't say much. Oh, do you love me? Yes, mummy, you know that I love you. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he said, <laughs> she said, uh, Huck, do you truly love me? Yes, mummy, you know that I love you. So, <laughs> she said, why are you saying it like that? Well, it's because it's like when Jesus was talking to Peter. And, and Peter, Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? And... Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Peter said, do you really love me? And Peter said, do you, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he, Jesus said, do you really love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said it three times because of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't the, wow. key, wasn't the key point of the sermon, but it, maybe he's right. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, from the mouth of babes. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, that was just that encouraged me this week. We we feel like terrible parents in raising our son in a Christian spiritual way. Um, so it's very encouraging to know that even when we're not trying and it doesn't appear he's paying any attention, it's going in. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think people, yeah, you shouldn't underestimate whatever it is you're doing. You're probably doing something right. And, you know, even making a, you know, doing a small thing like, a, you know, watching a service with them or praying with them or, you know, it often doesn't feel like it's going in. But, yeah, you're right. It comes out in funny ways. Yeah. We're going to talk about digital discouragement. Oh, you've got new glasses. Yeah. Oh, listeners, you can't see this, but Joel looks so much more, like, clever now. I, he's got glasses I've had on. them a little while. They're just reading glasses because my near sight vision is going with my advancing years. But because I only planned to read with them, I didn't bother to pay for stuff like anti-reflective coatings and things. Yeah, I can tell. But I'm mostly seeing myself. <laughs> actually, now I'm, having, now I'm doing a lot of stuff on Zoom and so on. I'm suddenly... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really don't very good for that. So there you go. But it just just relaxed my eyes a little bit. Excellent. Well, you're looking handsome. So Thank you. there we Thank go. You much. Okay, sorry. Carry on. I'll stop distracting uh, you with my looks. Digital discouragement. Yeah, is what we're going to talk about. Um, so this came from um, just before Easter. I put a thing on the 12 Song Challenge thing. Uh, I basically said, I've been really blessed by the amount of online content people have been able to provide for the churches and the wider church during lockdown. Sarah and I have also been able to put out additional resources through our website and social media. I'm not doubting the value of these, however imperfect offerings at this time. What I struggle with is the very quantifiable nature of the online content. I can see at the click of a button how many people have viewed and liked and commented on my posts, song, video, etc. I can see how many people have viewed other folks' offerings. I find it quite hard not to begin to judge my own value based on clicks, likes, and comments. So I basically put that out there and said, am I the only one? And to my delight, other people <laughs> related to mm. aspects of that. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, I just want to dig in a little bit before we yeah. look at some of the responses. Did you have, was there like a trigger for this? So... I suppose I was going through the period where we just put out the video course and that yeah. had been an enormous amount of work. Yeah. Um, you know, well over a year of, of really hard work and it was videos. And again, with, with YouTube, you can immediately see how many people have viewed yeah, them. But then we were also, you know, because lockdown had started, you, you, you know, I think, you know, certainly for you and I, we think, well, what we can do, we can't go out and do events. We can't go and have face-to-face -face meetings, but we can put out videos and people want videos. So... You know, we started putting out a couple of living room type worship videos. We were putting out other things for Easter and Holy Week. Um, and I was seeing friends uh, doing, you know, their brilliant services online and yeah. or, you know, making those picture in picture videos or yeah. doing all these creative things. And every time I watched something, I thought, oh, I should have done that. Or, oh, oh so and so's done what I did or similar to what I did. And they got more likes than I and, and my sort of. I guess my heart and my soul were kind of uh, quite aware of the sort of perceived success level of what other people had done. And yeah. then I started wondering, you know, and then I sort of thought, oh, we spent hours on this or that, and it's only got this many clicks. So it, that all of that was going on inside of me, really. Yeah. I think we thought we might just pull out some of the things that they said and, and interact with them a little bit and just kind of we've got a lot of wisdom amongst our twelve song challenges. Yeah, exactly. And our this is mostly a mostly a kind of crowdfunded podcast yeah. today. Crowdsourced. Yeah. Touch the screen, send us your money. 
<laughs> don't touch, I mean, touch the screen if you want. <laughs> just make sure you wash it with uh, disinfectant afterwards. Okay. So just like one or two sort of general reactions. Um, Amy said, I found that I had shared a video that a few others had shared, and I too found myself comparing why people had commented on others' posts, but not mine. Comparison is something I regularly have to pray into and choose not to click on numbers, etc. Really hard, sad face emoji. Thanks, Amy. Uh, Matt also said, yes, I find it a constant struggle, not just in these times. And it's beyond likes or views. And it's based on my own incorrect and unbiblical definitions of success that are hardwired into me. Hmm. Andrew said, I definitely feel it. I've been writing for 20 years, but I only go to a little church. It could be disheartening to put so much effort into something you know will have very few people ever take notice of. My songs barely have any views on YouTube, and I absolutely have at times turned introspective about my stats. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gav said he was listening to uh, Martin Smith recently say that he has always struggled with self-promotion. And I have as well. It seems so egotistical. And now we're in a world of polished videos, good lighting, even makeup and hairstyling and video editing. And that can feel like a real distraction. So there's this whole other thing of like the quality of what other people can put out, yeah. uh, you know, versus what we may be able to achieve. Yeah, the kind of the Instagram image. and the, yeah. yeah. And then Vic said, I'm sort of not bothered. I realise <laughs> that my vocal style doesn't fit the view of quality that exists. I'm too tall for a boy band. I haven't got that adolescent vocal and pretty face. I wonder how Johnny Cash, Tom Waits, even Gary Newman will get on in this environment. <laughs> Thanks, Vic. Thanks, Vic. Yeah. So I, I'm interested, Joel, because I get the impression that this isn't such an issue for you. Maybe you're Maybe you're more in the Vic category of... Uh, I'm too tall, too old, and my voice, is, <laughs> my voice is too smelly. There are certain ways in which I struggle to identify with this, but I, I'm beginning to kind of reason it in my mind. It's not like I don't have the same sort of pride issues um, that, that everybody has or the same kind of self-doubt and other stuff. I think my self-doubt where it exists is far less based on other people Mm. than maybe some others so I, I've got plenty of my own self-doubt mm. um, but it's not really I don't com it's not about comparing myself um, so much with other people so I do still you know I count the likes and the and the clicks and the shares and other stuff mm. I think in most of my online presence and even my personal online presence is quite often connected to my work and I there's a sense of almost having an online persona which is kind of doing the job for me mm, mm. and so i think if i were recording my own songs and putting them out i would find that really i probably would find that really hard i would probably mm. but but because i'm not even though you know i do do my own because actually what i'm generally doing in terms of kind of um online environment is is often to do with resound then it's more about resound and i don't feel i feel far less ashamed pushing and and championing and and so on because it's that yeah um yeah. so th i think there's a bit of that going on that actually maybe i'm too scared to even try maybe that's maybe that's part of it but the other the other thing just when when i um started reading about this and i was thinking about it today was i did have there was one incident so this has been really um really honest um <laughs> this last week which was when that uk blessing video came out Oh yeah. Everyone said, oh, yeah. you've got to watch this, it's amazing. So I clicked it on and I saw this bit and them and then them and then them. And I couldn't help but think, oh, thanks. <laughs> do you know, do you know, I, yeah. I had that, I had yeah. that genuine, and, and I rarely 
have that issue. I, I sort of, you know what I'm like, I'm always pushing us to be a bit different, to do things a bit differently, mm. to not go along with the norm. And so I'm pretty happy mm. outside. I, like, I kind of want to sit outside and, yeah. and do things a bit differently. But then every now and again, and there's an example, I just think, oh, yeah, not actually in the club, are we? And mm. I think there was a sort of, yeah, there's a pang of jealousy or envy or, or something. And I've actually, if I'm really honest, I've struggled since then to think really positively about that video. I find mm. it easier to critique than I do to mm. to enjoy, which makes me sad. It's mm. not something I spend a lot of my time experiencing. So I found that that was quite a... Yeah, it was quite profound in in a sense, and I guess yeah. maybe I'm processing that. I think it is worth processing things like that. I think you know it comes to some degree to the heart of what we're talking about, which mm. is, you know, actually, this is heart stuff, um, and we are all different. You know, you, you know, if, I, I was I wondering whether I don't know if I fully understand these terms, but whether you have a more of an internal locus of identity that's the, the yeah. posh word whereas i think i'm have far more of an external locus of identity so i look to other people's affirmation and worry about that uh and i think you are more of a sort of person who is much more self-critical mm. and will beat yourself up and, and will be aware of your own failures or or you know likes and dislikes rather so i guess we are all different and yeah, yeah. you know reading through people's responses there was quite a variety of you know responses some people said you know it's it's my fact that my church doesn't sing my songs or mm. i struggle to get my church to sing my songs or others talk more specifically about the social media stuff and the clicks and the likes and the you know not many people like my facebook page or whatever um some talk generally about the idea of self-promotion you know should i be putting myself out there and some even and i really appreciate the people who did this uh, talked about actually the struggles of putting their songs on the 12 song challenge board yeah or you know listening to the podcast and hoping that that we would mention oh, yeah you know their oh, name and I, it gives me a you know pang of, yeah. of, of of regret you know but i i guess it's just them being honest and saying actually this is all part of the general struggles we have um and i do think i kind of want to say this up front i think one of the fallacies about all this stuff is that it will get better the more success we have. Hmm. So I think I used to think when I was a sort of younger songwriter, oh, if I could have, you know, one song used in my church, or if I could have one song that other people in other churches reckon recognize, or you yeah. know, one song in a book, or one song that the video gets really big, then I'll be okay with this. And honestly, I just don't think it works like that. In fact, I think it can get worse yeah. because I think the the minute you have one degree of success, I think you then immediately, all the, all the songs that come after that, you start judging by the one that was a success. Yeah, of course. So you're like, oh, this song got 100 likes. So why did the next song only get 20? You know, and yeah. it, it's this sort of self-perpetuation thing. You know, I was, um, I'm sure pop music is absolutely full of artists chasing another hit of success. Yeah. You know, I was reading a Johnny Cash um, biography the other day and there was letters that he wrote to people, you know, berating the fact that Elvis was higher in the charts than him. And he was saying, oh, that Elvis song, it's not as good as my song. And, yeah. you know, why am I, you know, and he had some, had some success, but he was chasing the next stage and the next hit so Goodness, yeah yeah i don't i don't think it's something that that gets better the more successful i think honestly this is a a heart issue right this is about our hearts it's about our identity it's about ultimately like our discipleship with jesus 
And I think that, you know, all these things that we're talking about, you you said, you know, I think I need to process this. I honestly think, in a sense, that's, you know, my basic answer to all this is we need to come back to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, when I experienced this, it really disappointed me or I was mm. really down on myself or I was critical of that other group or that or that person or my church or whoever because of this. And just that level of kind of almost lamenting, you know, our disappointments or our struggles and being honest with them before Jesus and then saying, you know, and God, have you got something to say about that? And I hope, you know, receiving God's encouragement. I think that's that's really kind of what it comes down to. I, I noticed that Nancy wrote uh, about her inner committee, and I love that. Mm. She said, I have to learn to silence my inner committee that wanted me to feel that I wasn't loved and belong, especially in comparison with others. And I think a lot of us do have those sort of negative voices in our heads, Um you know, and that's why I would say this is a discipleship issue because it is about coming back to Jesus and being reminded that in God we're enough. You know, a lot of us will will kind of view our our value based on well, am I a success as a songwriter? Right? That's my identity. I am a songwriter, but actually, that's not my most fundamental identity. My most fundamental identity is I'm a child of God, and you know, going back to God in prayer and reading the Bible and submitting ourselves to Him is, you know, I. I think the way forward in this in this whole thing. As you were talking about this this thing about identity, it made me reflect on when I was at a songwriters gathering recently, and I remember having this conversation with Chris Duby after one of the sessions and saying, "Chris, I, I don't understand why basically the whole message there talking to us was you are significant, you are chosen for such a time <laughs> as this, you are God's. God has a special plan for you. God has a special song for you." And I just thought, I, I didn't get it. I, and and I mm. and I said to Chris, I don't. Why do we all need to hear this? Why do we all need to be told how significant we are so we can go away and write songs? <laughs> and Chris said, "You don't. You just don't really get the artist heart, do you?" <laughs> and I said, "No, I honestly don't think I do." He said, "I, I totally understand this need for affirmation, um, and that is actually part of it's part of the artistic identity. Is that's one of the things that." that drives it and I was struck when you were talking there I thought yeah that was one of those times and I thought I don't really understand this but there is a sort of affirm my identity affirm my identity um but there's that's my insight from the outside as someone emotionally no it is good I mean there there is this thing isn't there that you know people used to get their identity from being part of a community and what they you know, being part of a clan, a family and what they produced within the the clan and sort of, and then we've sort of shifted from that to the thing of, you know, follow your own path, go your own way, be authentic to yourself. You know, the most Disney movies are about, you know, rejecting what your dad says and going off and following your own path. In the end, your dad says, oh, I'm glad you followed your own path, Moana or whoever, you know, and, and that's the sort of narrative of Western culture is, be yourself be authentic you do you and i and so i suppose you know and that that's part of the artistic thing is well i'm following my path i'm being a songwriter i'm being who and i think to, to some degree that is true that god has made us individuals and he's given us gifts and part of living out our you know who god made us to be is to is to live that out but i think that a lot of that is quite shaky because it it's here today gone tomorrow and people Mm. can you know, take it away from us or they can criticise it. But actually, my identity as a child of God, to me, is far more foundational than my identity 
as a songwriter. But are you saying actually that all those questions of identity, you're not, you're not particularly bothered about? I don't whether... really get some of them. I, I'm just trying to be completely honest. I, yeah, yeah, it's good. I must get them to some extent. Um, but I like. I kind of think, am I a child of God? Yes. I mean, I just don't understand how that's in doubt. That's so obvious. It's because nothing to do with me, is it? So why would I be? I mean, why, 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 why? It's almost me. Why would I think I'm so special that God has decided I can't be a child of His, but everyone else can? I mean, that's just that just seems like a nonsense. So I think that's part of it. I don't really. Am I loved by God? Absolutely. I mean, of course. But then it's about how that impacts my everyday and I suppose how it impacts how I view myself does it mean I walk around in total bliss all the time no but oh I don't know mm. I'm not very good no, at explaining it's a, this because it's interesting it's interesting yeah so well, I had, had sort of these thoughts and then I think that some of these are um really exacerbated by the whole lockdown thing um because you know f- for various reasons um, one of the things, again, Nancy wrote was that uh, weariness makes us very vulnerable and that's where the negative thoughts invade at warp speed. We're all mm. weary right now because of the pandemic. We're also grieving, whether we know it or not. We're grieving the pre-pandemic world we knew. We're experiencing loss. This is hard. It's a lot yeah. easier to listen to those negative thoughts that our inner committee wants to broadcast into our hearts and minds when we're grieving and when we're weary. I encourage all of us to be gentle with ourselves, lean into the saviour and give ourselves some self-compassion. Well, that was pretty good mm. so that's that's kind of one of the things at the moment it's just our general level of weariness of, of sort of disorientation at the moment and i guess you know in those times we turn to something that will validate us uh, yeah. and and then you know that then gets amplified by the fact that you can't go to church and lead your your church physically in worship so we do turn to the digital world and uh, actually social media is all set up to kind of hook us in, isn't it? With the likes and the views and stuff. Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the people commenting on, on my post uh, pointed me towards this Jason George, Jason George, however you pronounce it. Uh, he wrote an article in Christianity Today and he talks about, I noticed in social media uh, that it caused strange dynamics to emerge from my soul. I became curious, even obsessed, to see how many people read a blog post or retweeted a quote. I wondered how my digital audience would perceive me. The nebulous digital world occupied my thoughts and led to heightened levels of status anxiety. A day with limited page views discouraged me. I envied other ministries with large followings, and I even considered paying money for people to like me. <laughs> 2000 for $5 is a bargain. What's the, what's the web address for that? <laughs> I know, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought social activity could cover my shame, the nagging voice of unworthiness, inadequacy and deficiency, but it didn't. Oh. I thought that was that was really interesting. I mean, he, he's clearly, you know, really uh, immersed in the whole social media world and, yeah. and sort of expresses that whole thing of, you know, as soon as you have a down day, you just, you know, it really affects your, your sense of worth. And he quotes uh, an Oxford University neuroscientist, Susan Greenfield, uh, talking about what happens when our community becomes unknown friends. She says, you're out to entertain and seek their approval and the danger lies uh, there in constructing an artificial identity that's not really you at all. Everything you do is for the approval and to impress this audience, who inevitably will be vicious and nasty because they're not constrained by face-to-face communication. So there is yeah. this real issue with you know trying to please that sort of faceless masses who may or may not click on your stuff and that that 
you know has is being shown to cause you know genuine mental stress yeah so that's a few problems <laughs> but fortunately our brilliant uh, community came up with some practical solutions and uh, i wonder if you could read a couple of these joel Love to, yeah. So Fiona, talking about her, her blog, she said, I found I get more out of it when I focus on engaging well with a small number of people rather than getting lots of likes. So I take time to read other people's content, comment on it, and it often creates interesting discussions and directs travel towards my blog as a side effect. Knowing I've taught one person something new or changed their perspective about something or made them feel valued feels far more worthwhile than a post that gets hundreds of likes and gets no comments or meaningful engagements. Uh, Matt said... Uh... One thing that's worked is the fact that we're using Church Online, which we love, uh, which is, I guess, is a platform for mm. streaming your services. And he says, uh, with that, a lot of what we take away is the interactive chat before and after the service, which is by far the best bit as it feels like we're connecting as well as we can with our church family. Small and personal is ultimately more satisfying, I think. So he's talking about directly having his, you know, actual church family interact yeah. before and after the service and say, hi, Matt. And, you know, they're using their names and he knows who he's talking to. And that's, you know, far more satisfying. Yeah. And then Rachel said, I, I learned a big lesson in Indiana recently. There's a huge thriving worship arts ministry at local church there. And I met the worship director after worshipping with them one Sunday morning. We'd sung a stunning song that I noticed he wrote in the bulletin. I mentioned it to him and said, man, the whole world should sing that song. He shook his head and said, I'm just glad it ministers to Joe and Sue in the pews. It doesn't need to be sung everywhere else. Joe and Sue in the pews. That's Joe what it's all about. Sue and the pool and the pew. And the <laughs> what? When I grew up in Norfolk, that'd be Joe and Sue in the poo. <laughs> Hey, and there's a want, whole new side of you coming Joe out and sue in the poo and if you could just look that up in your poo bible <laughs> that's what they'd say this is not going to get past the uh, census um so yeah i think this is a really good message that these people are bringing out which is about sort of real relationships uh and i think that some of those might come through online forums you know we are still in lockdown and so it may be about finding the right kind of online forums yeah so not just you know is it likes or views or clicks or just from random people but maybe focusing what we're putting out towards our own church or people that we know or you know the people on the 12 song challenge slack are people that we are getting to know they might be spread out all over the world but there's a sense of community and growing relationships there um, so that might be worth thinking about, you know, rather than just randomly putting stuff out or caring about, you know, the reaction you get from random people actually focusing on, well, are there ways that I can, you know, build actual relationships with the people online? Mm. And then also, especially when lockdown ends, I think that one of the ways if you're struggling with this is to be very intentional about doing at least some of your songwriting in a context of a very real community. So that might be for your church, but if it's not for your church, it might be another group. It might be a home group, might be a group of children, might be a group of elderly people, maybe a group with specific needs. And these things might not be glamorous. They might not make us famous. They might not, you know, get us on the, the top of the Spotify charts or whatever. Mm. But I do think that writing into the needs of a very specific community is a way to feel that, you know, what you're writing is being used and being valued um, so an example I've used before is, you know, written stuff specifically into the Azalea uh, group yep. of women that I, I lead worship for. Uh, and again, that's not a, you know, it's not something that is very glamorous or the songs aren't necessarily, you know, in exactly the style that I would choose. But actually, when I get feedback and someone says, oh, that's really helped me, you know, that mm. to me 
if I'm, you know, on my best day, I realise that that is actually more valuable than putting it out there to sort of faceless masses. Yeah, I, I think that issue of um, what world you exist in is important, isn't it? So, so you can you can sort of intentionally try and write in a different context, but you kind of need to get yourself into a different context. If the world that you primarily exist in socially mm. is Instagram. Mm. or you know it, and it and is a world which is full of people you don't know it's a po- it's a big popularity context then all of your measures will be based on the the measures of that world and the, you know yeah. how else can you do it and I, and I know you like I live in Loughborough and Loughborough is the, the sporting university of the UK it's like one of the best sporting universities in the world mm. and people come to Loughborough who love sport and they are the best whatever the sport is they're the best in their school they're possibly the mm. best in their county and then when they get to Loughborough they can't even get in the third team because <laughs> because that's the kind of you know the nature and the caliber of it and so you yeah. kind of you you measure yourself according to the standards of the place that you find yourself in mm. and the standards of um of the of the digital world because it's wide open to everyone I'd sort of been, impossibly unachievable in a sense aren't they yeah, if you yeah. can make yourself exist more outside the digital world then you can be, you can get some more some more realistic measures i mean you've got to measure yourself yeah. somehow aren't you but but things yeah. that actually are more real. so it's in that sense you know you say like with your azalea thing not only is it more potentially more helpful for azalea that you're doing this stuff Mm. But but it's more realistic for you to say that that's a, that's a reasonable measure of am I blessing these people? Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw that. There's a Black Mirror episode. Is it black? Is that the thing Charlie Brooker does? What's yeah, the thing called? Yeah. yeah, I've I've only ever seen a, a few, but there's one of them which is all about likes on social media, and um, just one. pursuing. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. It's very it's very clever. Mm. Um, this kind of the the way that is you know that connects to self worth and so on but it, there's mm. a kind of it's like that kind of there's a slight drug element of it like you mentioned it earlier didn't you any sort of success is a bit of a drug and yeah you kind of crave it you crave the high yeah. again um, yeah. and sorry I'm just, I'm waffling in response to everything no, that you said good. but I really it's like good. I like that stuff and I wish I had I sometimes wish I truly had the heart of um, Joe and Sue's mate in Indiana. That, mm. that I have, I, you know, I, mean, I don't work in the church at the moment. And when I have, it's, I've been so blessed by writing stuff and the church singing it. Mm. Um, but if someone had come up to me and said, man, I think there needs to be some more widely, I feel like inside I'd at least have been saying, I know, it does. <laughs> no, I just want to bless, bless so and Joe and Sue in the pool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And then there was just a, a, a final category of stuff that I picked out, which is around the sort of theme of audience of one. Yeah. So uh, do you want to read? Yeah. Please? So Ian said, I really like what Andy Flanagan said, probably on your podcast, about constantly questioning motivation for what we songwriters, worship leaders do. If we try to be noticed or successful or admired or worshipped, then we're probably being very human. But that's not really much to do with serving God and our congregations, bringing our gifts and talents to an audience of one or a smallish view is where we'll likely be most effective and best appreciated yeah um and then david said our fundamental identity is as a child of god so we primarily write for an audience of one as long as we continue being creative playing as a child plays our songs have purpose mm. um and then jason said the like of god matters to use the the terminology and he clicks my stuff every time even when the sound oh. isn't great the graphics glitch, the theology is flawed, the top clashes with the background, the grammar is wronger, 
Very clever. I don't like it. No one else likes it. Or when I doubt my worth and don't share it. My my father clicks like every time. I'm never satisfied with what I produce, but he is delighted in the scrappiest out of perspective scribbles and stumbling words of my childlike faith. Yeah, yeah. And that is that's such a beautiful picture, I think. You know, I know that with my my kids, you know, I am just delighted when they produce something. You know, recently in lockdown, there have been lots of creative projects and, you know, not necessarily everyone else would think they're brilliant, but I think they're brilliant. I'm like, wow, you created that. You made that. You wrote that. You did that on the computer and it does delight me. And I think to have that picture of God, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing and it's very freeing, actually, um as we grow into it i think you know it doesn't mean that we won't share our stuff on in church or online but it yeah. does mean our heart posture um is primarily about glorifying god and kind of offering it to him more than looking for those sort of human measures of success and i was reading this book um by paul bradbury called stepping into grace which i really recommend yeah i'm holding it up to the camera and no one can see it but um he talks about, you know, ambition being kind of there in the creation. You know, God gives Adam a role, a task. And, you know, this it says this is good. So there's sort of a sense of like, you know, doing your task well, you know, is good. Ambition is good, but it needs to be transformed by God, you know, beyond ambition to into a kind of sense of calling. And so it's not kind of that selfish ambition, but it's an ambition that is about serving the world, about you know, in a similar way that sort of Philippians 2 thing of Jesus coming and serving and lowering himself. And, you know, as yeah. he gives, then he's kind of exalted. And so kind of bringing our ambition and allowing God to kind of baptize it and to, to transform it into something that is really kind of of, of his kingdom, I guess. Mm. I mean, the word that I've been drawn to is the word yielding, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure is a word I've ever really thought about much before, but but thinking about particularly like over Easter, I was thinking about the Gethsemane prayer and Jesus does this thing where he says, right, you know, Abba Father, you can do anything. And then he says, well, I don't really want to do this. You know, is there another way? And so he sort of tells God, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. Mm-hmm. And then at the end he says, but let your will be done. Yeah. And I feel like that was a brilliant way to pray about our what we what we bring to god almost in any situation but i'm thinking about our, our art and our creativity and our songs yeah. is to kind of go god this is who you are i would like to see this song used but let your will be done and kind of yield the outcome to him you know and and similarly i'm struck by the methodist covenant prayer mm. you know that prayer yeah i am no longer on my own and i was just thinking that like if you changed a lot of the words rather than be about me to say like my song or what i'm so to say this song is no longer my own but yours put it to what you will rank it with whom you will let it be employed for you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low for you let it be full let it be empty let it have all things let it have nothing i freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposable and disposal and disposable you know, and I feel like, you know, of course, that is a really big thing to say. Yeah. But I'm, I'm quite struck by the fact that Jesus says the Gethsemane prayer three times. He basically goes around the loop mm. three times of going, is there a way of not doing it? Oh, but not your will. Yeah. And it's a kind of repetition. And I feel like we need that as well. That sort of co- like the, the continual offering of going, well, God, I'd like this song, you know, to be used, but I yield it to you. I give it to you. And like, 
as we go through that process, you know, maybe multiple times a day or a week or whatever, but actually we're getting close to closer to sort of prizing our hands off our off our song and really yielding it to God. So to wrap things up, I, I, why don't we both go on Facebook and see who's got the most likes for their... <laughs> <laughs> we can see how many people listen to this podcast and then be discouraged when it's not as many as... I know. Yeah. Listen to another one. Yeah. Great. Well, we just thought we'd do a... a well, I'd say short, shortish mini pod slightly shorter <laughs> pod without all the usual stuff to try and talk this through. We'd love to hear more from you. Really interested in this. Um, yeah. And um, if you're, you know, if you're involved in the 12-song challenge and so on, get involved with the community and, and the interaction that's going on there. Um, and we will be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay, happy, happy lockdown. All of my plans, all of my pride, the work of my hands, Shame I can't hide It falls before your throne Hopes that I hold Fears I can't shake Lies I've been told Chains I can't break It falls before your throne I lay it down I lay it down All of my meaning is in you Brighter blaze, thundering voice, calling my name, Jesus, my joy. I fall before your throne, and I lay it I'm handy